If you're willing, I'd like you to stretch out your hand and make a fist. And chances are your fist is in one of three positions. Either your thumb is on the outside of your fingers, kind of facing up, or your thumb is on the outside of your fingers, laying across your fingers, or your thumb is inside your fingers like that. Well, according to an article that I recently read on the internet, which means it is most certainly entirely true, how you make a fist says something about your personality. For example, if your thumb is on the outside of your fingers looking up, then it says that you are strong and driven and protective. If your thumb is on the outside like this, then you are outgoing and you are honest, sometimes brutally honest with others. And if your thumb is underneath your fingers like this, then you are kind, you are emotional, and you are introspective. And so there you go. Everything you need to know about yourself just by looking at a fist. And so the next time you go on a first date, you just have them make a fist and it'll tell you everything you need to know about them, if they're worth marrying or not. But don't you wish it were that easy? Don't you wish you could do something so simple, just like make a fist and you would have all of the answers to all of your important questions. You would know who you're supposed to marry and how the bills are going to get paid and how you're going to get everything on your to-do list done and you would know how long before the cancer goes away and how you're going to fix this problem and how you're going to get this solution and, and how you're just going to figure out all the answers to all of, all of your questions. I mean, there are so many important things on our minds these days, things that have a huge impact on our emotions. And how do you think all the things that are on our hearts these days compare with all the things that were on the hearts of Moses and the Israelites as they were leaving Egypt in the book of Exodus? In Exodus chapter 14, 450 years after they had begun their slavery, the Israelite nation was not far from the land that God had promised them. But coming after them were a whole lot of fists that belonged to a lot of Egyptian soldiers who were very determined to show them how they felt about Pharaoh's momentary lapse in judgment for letting them go. But right in front of them was a big body of water that they were not able to get, get past on their own. And so they didn't see a way forward in life, just like we often don't when we don't have all the answers to all of our questions. And do you know what Moses did in that situation? He stretched out his hand. Not because he wanted to show everybody what kind of personality he had, but because he wanted to remind both them and us exactly what kind of God our hope is in. And now, uh, when the Israelites came to Moses scared because they couldn't see a way forward in life, Moses told them to do something. He said, you only need to be still. And why did he say that? Because the Lord will fight for you. The Lord was going to give them a way forward. And this week we're going to talk about how the Lord will always do the same thing for you. On April 15, 2012, James and a couple of his buddies were walking toward the finish line of the very famous Boston Marathon when a bomb went off. You may remember that day. James and all of his buddies were injured very seriously. Three of his buddies lost a leg that day. James ended up in the hospital for a very long time, had to go through many different surgeries and a very lengthy rehabilitation. James, uh, James admitted that he had a very long stretch when he just did not see, um, he didn't feel that he would ever see or feel anything, anything good ever again in life. He was pretty down in the dumps. And he's not the only person who can ever feel that way. You know, a lot of people died that day at the Boston Marathon and Moving on from the death of someone you love can be a difficult, if not impossible, recovery for anyone. So can moving on from an addiction or trying to beat an addiction, even if you have the desire to move on from it, it can feel impossible to do, especially when you've bottomed out again. A bad marriage can be difficult to find joy in, never, never mind one where adultery has happened. 
or maybe somebody that you love is going the wrong way in life and so far nothing you've said, nothing you've done has been able to turn things around or maybe you're just, in some way you're looking for one ray of hope in your life but it doesn't seem to be coming. But just because you can't see how something is gonna happen doesn't mean that it can't. Take James for example. When James was in the hospital, there was a nurse, a nurse named Krista who was assigned to care for him and James started to like Krista. He started to hope that he would spend a little bit more time with her and he began to look for opportunities to talk with her and they talked a little bit more and eventually James started hoping that maybe something good would come from this very bad thing that had happened to him and eventually Krista hoped the same thing. They got married after James got out of the hospital. Just because you can't see how something is going to happen doesn't mean that it can't. And the same happened for the Israelites. As they were running away from Egypt, the Israelite, the Egyptian army was behind them and the big body of water was in front of them. They couldn't see a way forward. They couldn't see a way forward in life. So God made one for them. It says this, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Just because you can't see a way forward in life doesn't mean that God can't make one. And this wouldn't be the last time that God would do such a thing. As Jesus hung on his cross, it didn't seem like much good could happen from that. It looked like God was dying. And then it looked like God was dead. But then Easter morning came. And God gave you the right to walk through life fully expecting that there is nothing in all creation that is going to stop God from moving you forward and winning in the end. This week we're taking a look at Exodus chapter 14 where God divided the Red Sea for the Israelites. Now before God divided the Red Sea, before he took down a single Egyptian who was coming after them, he made a promise to Moses who was leading the Israelites. He said this, he said, I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so basically he was saying, by the end of the day, I, am, I, the Lord, am going to look more glorious than Pharaoh and all of his army. But I want you to think about how that could happen. There's really only one way that a person ends up looking more glorious than the people around them. A couple of years ago, I heard about a boy in Florida, a young boy who was swimming and who felt a sharp pain on his backside. He had been bitten by an alligator and not a small one. A nine foot long, 500 pound alligator had bitten him on the backside and so he started hitting the alligator on the, uh, on the snout and he eventually grabbed the, the teeth of the alligator, pried open his mouth and he escaped and he swam back to the shore with the alligator chasing him and he ended up escaping. He had uh, ended up with one alligator tooth embedded in his skin that needed to be removed but otherwise he was totally fine and the story was all over the Florida news that night. Now I also once had an interaction with an alligator in Florida. I was golfing and I hit my golf ball to within three feet of an alligator that had wandered its way onto the course. And do you know why that alligator interaction didn't end up on the news that night? Because I walked away. <laughs> I left my ball there and I just walked away. I did not gain any glory or recognition for what I did that day because I did what any normal person would do in that situation. In order for God to gain glory for something, he needs to do something that no one else either has or can. In other words, he needs to put himself in situations that in the past have devoured others who've tried, to, who've tried to do the same thing. Have you ever thought that maybe one of the reasons God allows you to go through pain or trouble or to be in situations where it just not, does not look like anything good could ever happen is because he wants to use your life to send the same message that he used Israel's life to send that day? He wants to use your life to preach a sermon that we have a God who can overcome absolutely anything? 
I mean, would you rather have an average God or an awesome God? Well, in order to show the world an awesome God, then the world needs to see us extending our hands of faith in situations that have devoured others going through the same thing. When you're going through trouble, when you're going through pain, when you're feeling guilty about something, when you're in situations that you just cannot see a good way of it ending, those are the times to remember the, the very simple fact that our God came. He came and he put on human flesh to show us that he can overcome anything and that he would, no matter what it would cost him, no matter how many nails would be embedded in his skin, no matter how many of our sins in our past would need to be forgiven, a past that you do not need to be afraid of anymore. Because God has also promised to use your life to send this world a very important message, to preach a sermon, that we have a God who will allow nothing in all creation to stop us from overcoming everything. A good friend once told me about a car accident she had been in a number of decades ago. She was driving her car and she, uh, she was in a collision. Annihilated, uh, the vehicle was annihilated in a collision, smashed and crunched so badly that when the emergency response team arrived on the scene, they took their time because they just didn't see how anybody could survive such a violent collision. And so imagine their surprise when they pried the door off of the vehicle and inside was my friend with hardly a scratch on her. She went through something that every person fears and yet walked away as if she had no reason to be afraid of anything. Just like the Israelites in Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, they were really afraid of two things. They were afraid of the army and they were afraid of the water that was in front of them. But in the end, the army was all dead and never touched them. And then it says in verse 22, it says, The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. In dry ground, the dirt on their sandals wasn't, wasn't even moist or muddy or wet. It was, it was dry. As they stood on the other shore, they must have realized that nothing they feared ever touched them. And maybe you wish you could have just one moment like that. But don't we already know that it's coming? Don't we? In one of the historic Christian creeds, the Nicene Creed, we confess, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. In other words, we confess we are looking forward to the day when we will be fully alive after we've died, standing on the farther shore of heaven. We are looking forward to the day when we will be in a place where every last tear will be wiped away, when there will be no impression of the tears that we've cried and the feeling in our gut will be just nothing but peace. We're looking forward to the day when everything we fear down here, it will be like it never touched us and it never will again. And the reason we're looking forward to that, of course, is because God did not run away. God did not run away when trouble was coming. He stepped right into the whip. He stepped right into the nails. He stretched out his arm and took them right into his skin. And he did not run away. But unlike my friend in the vehicle, he was crunched completely. Not by another vehicle, but, but by our sins, by the times that we have doubted that the God who can do anything would stand by our side through absolutely everything. And my friends, he already did that. He already paid that price. Your victory is already guaranteed, which means so is your right to walk through each day, each moment, fully expecting a day after which everything you fear down here will never touch you ever again. Do you sometimes doubt that God is going to successfully lead you forward in life, set you free from your past? 
I know we don't like to doubt. We don't like to be afraid. We'd prefer to be the, the super Christians who never doubt God at any time for any reason. But do you know who didn't doubt God in Exodus 14? You know who that would make you in Exodus 14 if you were the person who never doubted God in that whole chapter? The people who didn't doubt God in Exodus 14 were the Egyptians. The Egyptians. They didn't doubt God. In order to doubt God, in order to believe that he may not come through for you, you also have to believe that he might or that he can. But they didn't believe that about God because they didn't believe in God at all. They didn't, they didn't doubt God. They rejected him. They thought that they could walk through life all on their own without any of God's help and they found out they were wrong. It says, uh, you know, God made the waters collapse over them and not one of them survived. They didn't doubt God. They rejected him. Now, you sometimes doubt God. I do too, more often than I typically like to admit to anyone. But you sometimes believe that he may not come through for you, which means you also believe that he might and that he can. And though we don't like to doubt, your, your doubt is actually, in a way, a sign of faith because faith and doubt, they always go hand in hand. In fact, just look at another time that God did something miraculous on the water, the time that Jesus walked on top of the water. Didn't his disciple Peter show us just how quickly our strong confidence in God can go in the exact opposite direction? As he went, stepped out of the boats and he started walking onto the water, he started paying a little bit too much attention to the waves and the wind. He took his eyes off of Jesus just for a moment and that's when he began to doubt and we all know what happened when he did. Jesus caught him. That's what happened. It says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. In the middle of your storms, when you feel rushed by the waves and the wind, when you feel intimidated by your own Red Sea and your own army of Egyptians, when you're in a place in life where you just don't see how anything good is going to happen, those are the times to remember who our God is. It's a God who came determined to catch you no matter what it might cost him, no matter how many sins he would need to forgive, just to guarantee you that in the end, you get to win. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thank you so much for investing your limited time in checking out our podcast. And we would love so many more people to be able to hear about Jesus and grow in their faith too. So I know you're busy and you've already given us your time, and you're ready to grab your phone and check your apps, but could you do us one huge favor and rate and review this podcast? Because the more of you that rate and review, the more people who will hear about Jesus, and the more people that hear about Jesus, the better life gets with God. So thanks for taking some time. We pray you have a blessed day, and we'll talk to you soon.